But we're going to be in Luke chapter 9. I want to share some thoughts with you uh, about what's, a, what's going to happen here at the end of the service. We're going to celebrate the sacrament of baptism, this moment in which some people go all in with Jesus. And uh, as I think about that call to go all in, I was reminded of, of, uh, of that as, as I, I did something uh, not too long ago that is a regular practice for me, and that is to read through the entire Gospels. So I'll, I'll choose a Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and in just a, a relatively short amount of time, you can go from the beginning to the end. And I love that process because it just gives you this kind of total picture, this holistic picture of the, of the mission of Jesus and what he was all about. And one of the things that became so apparent to me as I, I read through the Gospel of Luke this last time is Jesus is not offering promotions. Jesus is, is not trying to see how many people he can get to like his Facebook page uh, or his meta page or whatever it's going to be called these days. Like Jesus is not trying to amass followers on, on social media. He is singularly focused on one thing. Everything, his entire ministry is singularly focused on inviting people to follow him, to become his disciple. Now, let me say what he is not asking in the Gospels. This is what it this is, this is not what Jesus is asking when he invites you to follow him. He's not saying, do you go to church? Or are your parents or grandparents Christians? Or did you raise your hand at, a, at the end of a sermon one time? Or did you repeat a prayer after a preacher? Or did your grandmother serve Kool-Aid at vacation Bible school? Or do you own more than three or four Bibles? Um, he's not asking if you've downloaded the Bible app onto your phone. Jesus is not asking if you started a read-through-the-Bible plan that is somehow, somewhere, it's derailed in like Second Chronicles somewhere. Um, that's not what Jesus is asking. He's not, he's not asking if your ringtone on your phone is a worship song. That's, that's not the heart of discipleship. Um, he's not saying hey, before you talk bad about someone, do you preface it with bless your heart? Oh, if you do, then you must be a Christian. Right? That's not, that's not what Jesus is saying. Do you understand what the phrase traveling mercies mean? Like if you know what the phrase traveling mercies means or if you call Satan the enemy, um, congratulations, you speak Christianese. But that alone doesn't make you a Christian. It doesn't make you a follower of Jesus. Um, what Jesus is asking us is, is encapsulated right here. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. He said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Now, what makes this verse so amazing to me is that this is Luke chapter 9. Jesus doesn't get crucified until Luke chapter 23. And so way before the crucifixion, way before anyone's able to see how the story plays out, he looks at his followers and he's saying, this is what it means to follow me. It means you take up your cross, this instrument of death, this thing that Romans use to execute criminals. That's what I'm all about. Take up your cross, deny yourself. Deny your rights, your privileges, your wants, your desires, all those things you lay down, and in exchange for that, you take up the cross, my cross. 
and you follow me. This is at the heart of the kind of disciples that Jesus is wanting to make. I don't think we fully understand cross-bearing. Um, I, 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 I think, I think we, we have a little phrase and we say, well, that's just my cross to bear. We say that phrase sometimes. And, and most commonly, I've heard that phrase in, in the context of, well, I went to Walmart and I couldn't find a parking spot close to the door and I had to park all the way in the back of the parking lot. And then somebody will conclude that by saying, it's just my cross to bear. Um, I don't think you understand what Jesus is getting at here. If you think that's bearing a cross, um, think about what Jesus was all about. Think about the, the kind of death that he died on our behalf and the invitation that he gives to us to pick up the cross. He's not saying, I want you to you know, park in the last parking spot. I want you to be inconvenienced as you go to shop. He's talking about things much deeper than that. He's talking about the very heart of who we are has to be laid down. It has to be surrendered for his kingdom purposes in our life and in the world. And so he's saying, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow after me. This moment, this Luke chapter 9 moment, it's a pivotal moment in the story of the Gospels. It's a very challenging conversation that Jesus is having with disciples. And it reminds me of the kind of conversation that every growing romance, every budding romance, at some point has to have this kind of conversation where you clearly define the relationship. It's called a DTR. How many of you are familiar with the DTR? Some of you are familiar with it. I see a few hands. Men, don't raise your hand. How many of you hate the DTR? You'd rather not have the DTR. Um, this, this, uh, <laughs> this, uh, I'm reminded of this, this time with my friend. His name is Matt. We were in college together. And um, he was involved with a girl. And, and I'm going to tell the story, and I'm going to change her name. I don't care about protecting Matt's innocence. I'll, I'll gladly tell all the stories I have on him. But, but this girl deserves better than that. So I want to change her name. But the problem is Matt dated so many girls. It's like I'm running out of female names. So um, I'm just going to say Jill. There's a, there's a better than 90% chance he didn't date a girl named Jill. So anyway, today this girl's name is Jill. And Matt was involved with, uh, Matt was involved with this, this girl named Jill, and I could tell things were beginning to progress a little bit. And um, one day I just said, hey, I said, what's up with you and Jill? And he said, what do you mean what's up with me and Jill? I'm like, well, it's pretty obvious. Things are up with you and Jill. What, what's going on there? He's, and, and, and then he said this, and I don't know if kids still say this or not, but he said this. He said, we're just talking. Okay. And then I said, what y'all talking about? Which is Southern for, what things are you discussing? Um, now some, of the, some of you I needed to translate that for, other, others of you, like, yeah, I know what you just said there. What y'all talking about? Um, he said, man, you know, just stuff. Well, let me tell you the kind of stuff they were talking about. So I'm coming back from the library. It's late. I'm going back to the dorm and I see Matt and Jill, they're on a bench in the middle of campus. They're sitting really close to each other. 
And I'm just telling you, there wasn't a whole lot of talking going on. Something was up. That relationship was going next level. And, and, and I think Matt was very content for it to just kind of exist the way it was existing. But we were in a social setting, and there were some people that Jill didn't know. And Matt had the, the obligation to introduce her to this group of people. And he said this, This is my friend, Jill. Oh, okay. Friend. This is my friend, Jill. Do you do that with all your friends in the quad or just Jill? Like, that's what I wanted to ask, okay? This is my friend, Jill. And you know what? You know what, you know what we discovered? Um, Jill wasn't real happy about that. Jill wasn't very happy about the way that she was introduced. In fact, she had a conversation with him not too long after that. And, um, you know, Jill and Matt, they weren't talking anymore. Jill decided to move on with her life because uh, if, if she was only going to be a friend, um, then, then he needed to find somebody else. And uh, she was expecting him to introduce her as, this is my girlfriend, but they had never had the DTR. They had never had a moment where they clearly defined the relationship. And friends, that is what Jesus is doing here in Luke chapter 9. He's defining the relationship. He's saying, this is what it means to follow me. And Jesus does this all throughout the Gospels. And essentially, what he is saying when when he does this is he's asking this question. Why are you here? Why why are you here in this moment? Why, Why are you drawn to this gospel? Why are you drawn to this this, this good news. Why, why are you here? What are you looking for? And what we see in the Gospels, you see this in John chapter 6, and you see this other places, usually about the time Jesus does this amazing miracle, like feeding the 5,000, people come out of the woodwork, and they're like, I want some of that. I want to be a part of that. This guy can take five loaves and two fish, and he can multiply them. He can roll out a buffet. Who wouldn't want to be a part of that? But Jesus looks at people who are drawn to him for those reasons. He looks at us and he says, why are you here? Because if you're only here because the seats are comfortable or you like the music or, you, you know, the, the, there's certain things that you enjoy about, about what happens here at church, Jesus is saying, no, the reason, the reason we're, we're here, this gospel, this, this good news is for, for people who have decided that Jesus is the bread of life, that Jesus is that which quenches their thirst. And too often we have approached our relationship with God as this pick-and-choose buffet. You know, I'll take a little bit of the miracles, I'll take a little bit of this alleviation of my guilt and my shame, that certainly sounds good. But this stuff about laying my life down, this stuff about being fully devoted to the gospel and to the ways of the Lord— I don't, I don't think I'm interested in that. And fortunately for us, Jesus does what, what my friend Matt was unwilling to do. He defines the relationship. And he says all throughout the Gospels, no, it, it doesn't work like that. You can't just have the buffet. <laughs> You've got to lay your life down. You've got to fully surrender all that you are for the sake of this good news. And you actually had this moment in John chapter 6 
where people were like, man, if that's what this relationship is all about, then I'm out. Look at this. From this time forward, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. That stands out in my mind because it's John 6, 66. It's kind of a significant number. And something really bad happened there in that number. From this time forward, disciples turned away and they no longer followed him. Jesus defined the relationship. He clearly said, this is what it means to follow me. And some disciples said, you know what, I'm out. But then he looks at the 12 that are still there. And he says, what about you? What about you? You don't want to leave too, do you? And this is, and this is what they, 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 they made a confession. They said, no, we don't want to leave. You have the words of life. You are the bread of life. You are the only thing that quenches the thirst that we have in our soul. And so as Jesus defines this relationship, know this, friends, that he wants to have a deep and abiding relationship with you. He wants your life to be transformed by the gospel. And so today, the question is, not only why are you here, but having understood the call of the gospel, having understood what Jesus is all about, the question he asks them and the question he is asking us is this, are you all in? Are you all in? Are you saying, you know what, Lord, I'm not going to customize my walk with you. I'm not going to customize my Christianity. I'm not going to pick and choose what parts of this I want and what parts of this I don't want. No, Lord, I am all in. Everything you have, everything you are, everything that it demands of me, I fully surrender to you, and I invite you to take complete control of my life. Lord, I am all in. And friends, that is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And today, you're going to hear the testimony of some children and some young people who have said, I'm all in. And you know, Jesus said, unless you receive this kingdom like a little child, you're not going to get it. And this is that moment for us friends, for us to see the gospel through this lens of childlike faith. Because the authenticity, the sincerity that you hear in these testimonies, that is what we need. At what point did we lose it? At what point did we stop seeing a walk with Jesus the way these children are going to describe it for us? As you hear their testimonies today, I hope you recover that. I hope you hear the sincerity and the authenticity. And, and it doesn't matter if you're 8 or 98 this morning. Like, this is how we need to come to Jesus. Lord, I'm, I'm fully yours. I'm, I'm all in. Take every part of my life. And Lord, I pray that you would transform my life and use my life for your mission in the world.